Wait, where did everybody go? This is Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So sit back, relax, and enjoy as we dig into what to do when trouble comes. I'll see you on, yep, the flip. Ah, yes, what to do when trouble comes. Well, the first thing I'm going to say is, don't run. That is the first thing. Uh, have you ever had trouble um, on your on, on its way and everybody shoo, takes off? Um, yeah, it's not fun. And I'm going to say, if, if, if the trouble is coming for you, the first thing is, is mm, don't run, don't hide. And yeah, it might look like all hell is going to break loose and that you're going to be done in for. But I'm going to tell you, there are some attributes to dealing with trouble. Okay, for the first part, I want to just say this. Um, Trouble, well, you always have trouble in your life. Trouble is cyclical. It comes, it goes, and hopefully we'll be able to grow and be better from it once we have gone through it. So in order to keep this uh, to the point and to give you some wisdom smacks, I tried to put this into four areas. Now, of course, this is not exhaustive. This is just a wisdom smack for you or even a wisdom snack. Mm. And so we're going to cover uh, cover some areas of what to do to learn through your troubled times, how to grow. And this next one is a big one that a lot of people don't realize that you got to learn how to do. And that is how to outlast it. You got to have some staying power. And then the next one is how to grow and I mean, not grow, but how to renew yourself after trouble. Okay, so let's get into it. The first one is learn. There are there are things that you have to be willing to learn uh, to not rush through trouble. I mean, you can shorten the amount of time. And when I say trouble, I am talking about all the things that encompass it, whether it be pain and suffering or uh, legal issues, all the kind of bad stuff that causes you to have to endure some unpleasantness. So I just wanted to use trouble uh, trouble in that sense as a catch-all. And so in that, the, one of the biggest things that the that wisdom has shown me and others uh, that I've had opportunity to observe, talk to, and uh, learn from, is that you have to first and foremost be willing and ready to be wrong and to accept your uh, either wrongness or complicity, complicity, or, or whatever it is that you got that got you into this situation. Now, am I going to say that trouble always comes just because of what you've done? Nope, not going to do that. But what I am going to say is, if that be the case, you have to accept that you were wrong. One of the saddest things is to see someone try to fight against the wind. It is just not right. And that's the thing. You have to learn humility. Now, humility is not debasement. It's not woe is me. It's not, uh, you know, all the self-talk of beating yourself down, you know, and uh, all of that stuff. No, it is about being honest with yourself to know what you have that is true and real and can be grown on and what you have that was a delusion, a deception and a false fantasy that never had the ability to come to pass. 
Okay, so that kind of uh, being will, willing to be wrong and ready to be wrong and to work through it in humility is, is part of one of the biggest things that's going to help when trouble comes. Because this is the messy part. This is the part that people don't want to deal with. You know, think about it. Someone has, um, you know, financial issues. The first thing, a lot of times, unchecked. It's everybody else's fault. Well, if this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened and this person had done this and that folk, you know, person hadn't paid me, you know, what they owed me and all this. No, it's just you have to be willing and ready to be wrong. You have to be willing to look back and do a self-assessment of what am I going to learn so that I don't put myself in this predicament again. And like I said before, exercise humility. My grandmother, and I've said this before, my grandmother used to always say, be humble. And be hum- being humble means that you walk in the confidence of who you really are. And you don't walk in the deception of who you think you should be for others. You know, being humble is all about being true to yourself. Even Ellen DeGeneres says, you know, the one big thing about life is to figure out who you are and then live that unashamed and to the best of your ability. And I mean, I'm paraphrasing what she said, but that's what I attribute to uh, Ellen DeGeneres in my mind when I heard that quote. And, And so it takes being willing to be wrong, being willing to be humble about it. The next thing is learn how to apologize. Now, I talked about this before in another podcast, and there is even a book uh, that I'm going to mention again here, and that is Why Won't You Apologize? And one of the big takeaways of that book that I like is that it's very, first of all, it's very convicting. And what she does is she uh, dissects some of the popular things people do when they call themselves apologizing which is kind of like uh, scapegoating the issue and uh, avoiding truly apologizing. It also talks about on the other side of why do you want someone to apologize? And her big takeaway from that, and I'm not giving away the whole book, I'd still recommend that you get it, is that, you know what, a lot of times you need to get self-forgiveness. Forget about those people apologizing to you. What are you going to do if they're no longer here? Apologize to yourself. Forgive yourself and move on. Just, just move on after you've done that. And, you know, of, of course, there's a lot of work that has to be done. But, you know, getting the insight of uh, learning what was your what was your part? What wasn't your part? And all of that, you know, move it along. And I know I'm going to touch on a touchy subject here because let's be honest with most things, just most, but not all. There are there's never a, a clear cut 100 percent pure innocence or guilt. Except for those rat bastards out there doing stuff to little kids. I cannot abide that. But anyway, I I digress. Um, But, you know, learn from that. Then this is the next thing. Learn the patterns of chaos. Oh, my gosh. I remember the first time I had to encounter chaos theory. And actually, it was in grad school, my first grad program, which was in seminary of all places. And understanding chaos theory was not my my cup of tea, but this is what I gleaned from it, is that the theoretical physicists who were working with chaos theory in the 70s and 80s, they started noticing that there were ordered regular patterns that could arise out of seemingly random and erratic and even turbulent processes. And so this chaos theory uh, went on to say that if you study it and observe it, 
the randomness will order itself into a um, predictability that chaos actually uh, has traditionally gone against. And it was groundbreaking. And it was like, wow. And so chaos theory through the years has helped people to start to um, develop systems that include understanding uh, how to better predict weather, weather patterns, and all this other stuff, just stuff that you would never attribute to chaos, you know? So even if your life is turned upside down, topsy-turvy, nothing is going right, you just want to, you, you you would be okay walking off of a, um, taking a long walk off of a short plank into the ocean. I mean, just know. And that even in the midst of chaos, you can learn the patterns. And why do you want to learn the patterns? It's because if you learn the patterns, then you start to learn how to navigate and uh, know where you are in your situation. Sometimes for some people, when all hell breaks loose, that that can mean that you're almost at the end of your trouble. You know, and if you just keep going, you'll be through it. For others, when all hell breaks breaks loose, that's just an indicator that I need to buckle down. I need to, you know, settle in and get ready for the long haul or whatever it might mean. But learn your patterns because they can be detected. Okay. Um, And then this is a big one. (laughs) This is a big one because it's very scary. And I can tell you between the being willing to be wrong and this one, I think these are the two biggest ones, even above having to apologize, fearing or you should learn not to fear destruction. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Destruction. Destruction is so powerful that in our mythologies, we've attributed it to certain gods. Um because destruction is so powerful and it packs such a punch that it has its own type of energy that's intense and it that, that intensity makes us uncomfortable because it's unwieldy and it's uncontrollable. Destruction is pervasive. You know, think about the destructive power of a raging fire. Think about the demolition of an establishment I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm just going to tell you a quick little story, quick one, quick one, because we got other stuff we got to cover. But I remember um, I had this, this partner um, when I was younger, we were uh, on the side doing um, house flipping and renovations. And I just never could bear to go in during the time when they were doing the demolition. I mean, I did it one time and they gave me the ceremonial, you know, sledgehammer to, to, um, uh, punch through the wall. I think we were in the kitchen of an old house and it hurt my heart. I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. And I went out. And I remember going back the next day and seeing the house taken down to the studs is what they call it. And it was gutted and it was sad. And I, I, I felt such an intense emotion. And you would think that it's just a house, Michelle. But I, at that particular time, I didn't realize how in tune I am with subtle energy. I didn't realize that the reason why, um, you know, sometimes I might not be willing to go to large uh, places with a lot of people was that I was very in tune to people's uh, emotional energy. And thus, when they did that and they took that house down to the studs and that house had been there for, at the time, I want to say the house had been there uh, for about 60 years. Yeah. And I didn't realize that they had unleashed all of the memories that had embedded themselves in those walls. And when those walls came down, it was just harsh for me. 
And I'll even go on to say that that was the last rental that I did with that partner because I couldn't, I, I didn't realize at the time that subconsciously I was doing the same thing I saw happening to that house. I was demolishing our um, interaction and our relationship. And it took me some time after that. And it wasn't until, uh, with the help of a, a therapist, because I'm going to talk a little bit about that today too, that I had to work through what the energy of demolition and, and destruction does to us. And even understanding that if you're married, <laughs> one of the biggest uh, pitfalls and obstacle courses to your continued marriage is if you decide to ever do a, reno- a house renovation. And most people think it's about all of the decisions and choices that happen. No, one of the big setups th- that gets you into that issue. And it doesn't mean, mean that you have to be married to the person, but if you spend some time with someone and you decide that you're going to renovate or, or change something where there is a destructive process, that means that you are unleashing that that um, vivacious, hungry power of destruction. And you have to be aware of it or it will keep uh, running through you to even demolish your relationships because that's what destruction does. It is there to eat up, gobble up, and erase if, if it could, because it can't, but to eat up and possibly try to erase what existed. But the good thing about destruction, and yes, there is a good side, and we have put it into a, uh, a icon, and that is the phoenix. The phoenix is kind of like our symbol of what destruction means, because when the phoenix is consumed by the fire, it turns into ashes. And but through those ashes, there is a rebirth and a renewal where the phoenix rises out of them. And uh, <laughs> I remember my grandfather uh, burning back um you know, bushes and all of this kind of stuff in a controlled burn, a controlled fire, you know, back when I was a little kid. And I'll be like, why are you burning up everything? And, you know, he's like, we, we have to do this. And, and and sure enough, he would take me a few weeks later when the new shoots of uh, grass would come through. And he's like, see, it's okay. And I still, you know, didn't have that. So I had to learn um, when trouble comes, don't fear the destruction. Understand it for what it is, because if you fear it, it's going to get inside you and it's going to continue to destroy stuff in you. And right when I said that, somebody who's listening to this has had a big moment where they're like, uh, aha or whatever, something is clicking and you're starting to understand that because you have been fearing destruction, it's been staying in your life and you have not been able to move out of troubling times. So yes, whoever that is, embrace it and put your big person clothes on and say, Destruction, like my grandfather said, came to pass, not to stay. Or he says trouble came to pass, not to stay. But thank you. Okay, so learn that so you can move on. Because if you do that, then the next thing you'll be able to do is you're going to be able to grow. Yeah, that's the next section, remember? So through troubling times, when you learn those certain things, then you start to be able to grow. And one of the biggest things I'm going to mention is therapy. As a psychotherapist, I 
am always a proponent for the efficacy of therapy. And as more people are starting to understand that it should not be shunned and that it is not woo-woo, there are things that I want to remind you of. When you're going through troubling times and you seek out therapy, and your therapy, because I know therapy can be cost prohibitive for some people, but you can join groups, uh, support groups. You can um, join um, places online that are moderated and all this other stuff, you know, so Defined a way, right? But the first thing is, I'm going to ask you to do this, especially, you know, going through troubling times. Establish an idea of what you want to accomplish through therapy. Because going into therapy, if you have an aimlessness about you and you're just trying to look and see if it can help you, it will give you exactly what you are uh, expecting it to a whole bunch of exploration. But I have found when I work with uh, clients and I ask them to consider what they want to accomplish, they are able to set expectations. And because you're able to set them, you get a little bit more control to grow toward your expectations to get them met. Another thing is, is figure out. Um, And when I say figure out, what I really am asking you is to figure out If you need to go back through your history externally, internally, or if you want to start where you are, one of the, not one, but two major ways therapists work with individuals is either we work with the family dynamic and what happened in their past, you know, the famous, tell me about your mother, (laughs) you know, so we can work that way or we can work with what brings what brings you here today what would you like to work on and we start from the things that the client is doing and and um we deal with that now i will say that a lot of times a hybrid of the two works very well but one of the things that i will tell you when you're going through trouble is to decide how you're going to work through this especially if you're hopefully getting some therapy is are you are you invested in and neither one is totally right or totally wrong are you invested in just dealing with what you've done what you put in the pot to to make the stew and working with it or are you interested in going back and finding out the sources of the ingredients that made you who you are that go in the pot to make the stew okay so like i said neither one is wrong and so those are just a few things that i'd like um for you to consider All right. And I am not going to tell you that you have to know exactly what's wrong, quote unquote, wrong with you. But I am going to say, have an idea of your expectations of what you want to get out of it and have an idea, if you can, of which way you're going to work with it. Are you going to work with sourcing out the the historical root of uh, what got you to this point, meaning family dynamics and um, nurture and nature? Or are you going to start with, this is my issue, this is what's happened to me, and I'm ready to just work from here. And neither one is wrong. 
Okay. So after that, in the growth process, the next thing is, is I want you to have a reconciliation. Now there uh, is, there was a 2016 study um, conducted actually in Johns Hopkins University where um, they were trying to figure out how to teach people to learn faster. And I'm going to tell you quickly um, how to do this with regards to going through your troubling times, because I'm going to tell you when you're suffering, the best thing you can do is to learn how to grow and learn faster. All right. So this study simply looks at uh, what they would call reconciliation. And um, the best way to get reconciliation of, you know, your learning is to ad lib. Yeah. So that means that when you are going through something, especially if you're, you're physically doing something, but this also works for, um, uh, learning life lessons is to be willing to do different variations of the same thing. And so if you are, you're finding yourself that you're in a state of trouble, but you have to continue moving forward with what you've been doing, try different little enhancements, different little ways of doing the same thing. Don't make them too large. You know, think of it as how many different flavors can I put on uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb or Happy Birthday, the Happy Birthday song? That's what we're talking about. And what they said was doing slight little variations of what you've been doing that causes you to both increase your memory and to learn better and faster because you're now willing to use what happened or what you're trying to succeed at as the basis with just doing little bit little little bits here and there so that you develop a, a well-rounded approach to that. And because of that, your brain responds where you're able to learn faster, retain more, and grow. And so that's another thing that we can do in the growth process. Okay. So moving on from there, after you have your your therapy, your reconciliation, uh, again, from that book, Why Won't You Apologize? Give yourself self, self-forgiveness. And if that means you need to write down stuff that causes you to wince whenever you have a passing thought of it, forgive yourself for that. All right. That one's self-explanatory. The next thing is to reframe. And when I say reframe, be willing to look at your situation from a different aspect. And it can be still from your point of view, but look at it from a different aspect. A lot of times I've had uh, people come and they're like, my life is in shambles. Everybody hates me. I'm about to lose my family and this and that. And when we simply went through a reframing exercise and um, (laughs) my time is just killing me here. But a reframing exercise, we call it the four window panes. And in each one of the four window panes, we take a different look at it um, to help people to to see things differently. A lot of, not a lot of times, but most of the time, when we do a reframe, the trouble is not as pervasive as it seemed. It it actually becomes a manageable. And I'm going to just tell you real quick, because I don't have a lot of time. One of the reframes that we do in that four pain is we pretend that this troubled situation belongs to somebody else. And we're the one that they're seeking advice from. By simply taking out the emotional connection of your problems and pretending like it's somebody else's problems, you're able to give amazingly great um, insight and advice 
to your yourself. And so that's that's another thing when we're talking about uh, a reframe. Okay, so now I really want to get to this part, okay? And that is to outlast. This is a part that a lot of people don't understand. And this is the biz- biggest wisdom smack that I think I can share with you about what to do when trouble comes. And that is to outlast it. I know, outlast it. It's all about sustainability. All right. So the first thing is appreciate the pain and suffering for what they really are. They're usually at best road signs, lessons and wisdoms that will help you to not have to go that way again. When you have pain and suffering, pain is there to keep you alive because it alerts you to something that needs to be addressed. Suffering is there to keep you aware of your attachment to things so that you can reevaluate them. I have had major situations. I think I told you guys before when I did the Reset Handbook uh podcast, how I lost everything. And I'm going to tell you, if you have never lost a home um, due to financial situations, all this stuff I'm telling you, if you have that, you will be able to go through it because suffering and, and wondering where you're going to live and how you're going to make it and is tomorrow going to come, all of that stuff can be so big. But if you remember that they are com- they have come to be your teachers and not your oppressors and you get the lesson and you get it as fast as possible, you're going to be amazed at how you move through it. And of course, you want to outlast your multiple failures because you're going to have a lot of them. Instead of thinking of them as finality, think of failures as just the steps that you take towards your success. When I have failure, all I try to look at failure is, to me, failure is simply the tuition I pay in the school of success. Yeah. That is just the tuition. That's all it is. It's it's what I my dues that I have to pay. All right. And then this is another one. Future cast your best desired outcome and be willing to update that future cast as needed. And when I say future cast, see yourself beyond the trouble. See yourself as what you want to be beyond the trouble. I think I told you. No, I know I told you. Um, Brandon Sanderson, one of my favorite authors out there, he had a character in a short novella called The Emperor's Soul. And she was in a, a prickly situation. And in a split second, she said, she told herself to think about the person she needed to be to get herself out of that situation. And she instantly became that person and got herself out of the situation. That's a excellent example of how to future cast your best desired outcome because that person, that attitude, those skill sets, and that frame of mind will get you out. All right. Then the next one, and this is a big one. Listen, 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 Linda, listen. Embrace the silence. I have had so many people have breakthroughs when we talk about learning to embrace the silence. When you have trouble, you almost become part of a a one-person leper colony. No one wants to be around you. There's no acclaim, feedback, reward, or other perks that want to show up at that time. And you feel isolated. But instead of allowing that to beat you on your back and beat you down each day, embrace it as your companion that's getting you through. Because if you reframe the silence, the, the silence is there to help you to devote your energy to what you need to learn, how you need to grow, and how you need to seek stability. 
And that's my next part of outlasting. When you outlast, you want to seek stability over advancement. Too many times people are stuck with only thinking that I power through so that I can beat this, so that I can win, so that I can gain. And no, uh, most of the time, if you really are doing the learning that we've talked about and other stuff, you're going to learn that trouble comes to teach you how to be a more stable person. Trouble comes to teach you how to get your sea legs in turbulent waters. Trouble comes to teach you how to keep treading when no help is coming. Trouble comes to help you learn how to sustain your uh, stability. I may be doing a whole podcast about that one because it's a lot that I could say about that. All right. So the next part, the fourth part is the renewal. Now, um, I use tarot cards and those types of things. And if you are in the Christian faith, I want you to understand that it was uh, a lot of Christ people who actually embraced tarot. And if you look at the tarot, the whole journey of the fool is based on a Christian life. So much so they have a whole pope. Devote a card devoted in the Trumps, but I don't have time to 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 do that because I've heard some silly stuff about it being demonic and stuff, and I'm like, you're showing your ignorance. But anyway, in the tarot system, there is a card called the Judgment card, and of the 22 tarot cards, it's card number 20, and uh, it's at the end of the time. All right, and that's why I put it in this renewal section because in the Judgment card there is an angel of uh, temperance, if you will, or, you know, of learning to balance and to, to blend and to, to take small and put it together to make much. And this tarot card uh, represents the phoenix. It represents dying to the old self to become renewed, to become better, and to be able to go higher. And so with that, in your renewal time, I want you to learn how to change and fail fast and be willing to move forward when the time comes. Because when you get to the renewal stage, it's going to happen fast. And with that, dare to be new. And that means that you need to die to who you used to be. And you'll know that you're renewed and that you have died to who you used to be when you no longer try to seek better or improve systems that you already know. But instead, you look for the new opportunities of the new person because there is a big, big difference. All right. Ooh, I only have seconds to finish this up. So I'm going to just say... When trouble comes, first you got to learn, then you have to grow, then you have to outlast, and then you have to become renewed. And you know that you have moved forward when you no longer try to just make your situation better or improve on what you already know, but that you are free, willing, and capable of embracing the new unknown, the new opportunities to move forward. Woo! Yes, indeed. My time is up. I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with another episode of Wisdom Smack. Mwah! I am going to see you guys tomorrow. Check the show notes for books and links and all of that. And until then, bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, 
Please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.